you feeling a bit directionless? No, and uh, I think I'd be uh, something of a hypocrite if I said I did. Uh, I think it's uh, quite right for United to do the due diligence. That being said, uh, I don't think it's really a case of due diligence holding this up. It's uh, more like a negotiation and uh, timing for the announcement. I'm sure they'll make the announcement fairly soon, possibly straight after the Southampton game and... uh, Louis van Gaal it is, uh, seems like, current interim manager with a um, two-thirds success rate so far. Ryan Giggs uh, will be on the staff. Yes, and I think that is very jolly, thoroughly good news, uh, especially after he redeemed himself against Hull. Uh, So the Sunderland game, that was one heck of a disappointing team sheet, wasn't it? Yeah, I I mean... He pulled out the Fergie Tumbola big time, didn't he? I mean, we, we said that his first team selection against Norwich was Fergie-esque and uh, it was it was similar against uh, Sunderland, although a lot of six changes, so uh, which again is very Fergie-esque, isn't it? So a lot of strange changes as well. Pretty disappointing team sheet, hugely, hugely disappointing performance, very disjointed. Yeah, real shame. But I guess, you know, after the, the team sheet came out uh, against Hull, you uh, you said on Twitter that um, this puts some context to the the other two team selections. I think you were right about that. I think he's basically just giving a very wide selection of players a game and there isn't necessarily a strategy here. He's not thought, well, I need to win these four games, therefore I'm picking teams to win. He's uh, He's quite happy to rotate with no particular reason in mind other than uh, everyone's going to have a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was the moment at which that whole team sheet came out that the, suddenly that Sunderland game made sense. And actually, there is a sort of strategy in there somewhere of whoever comes in next is, should be really taking a very hard, long look at the so-called senior wide players in the squad, um, considering how vastly they were outclassed by players 10 years their junior. Yeah, or near enough 10 years their junior. Yes, I mean, shall we talk about Sunderland? Because you, know, you talk about wide players. Nani and Young were abysmal. Just abysmal. I mean, they weren't the only ones. Hernandez, terrible. Mata didn't have a good game. Fletcher, completely overrun in central midfield. Carrick, not much better than the back four. Horrendous. So, anyone come out of that well? Uh, no. I'm not sure. I was every bit as bad as, every, as, as the worst performances under David Moyes, unfortunately. Yeah, and the only thing that I would disagree with about what you said is I think Carrick was worse than Fletcher. I think that is, and, and there are some contenders for this, but that might be Michael Carrick's worst game in a Manchester United shirt. It was really, truly dire stuff. And I, I have to say, what, what that distilled in my mind was that it wasn't just David Moyes that was the failure, uh, although he was a big part of the failure leading up to the season. And, and no one ever argued it was only him, and we certainly didn't do so on this podcast. But I think that kind of rammed it home in a way, that there are players who've massively underperformed this season. And it might be, after a whole year of doing this, that, that we're now thinking they're good players on reputation and not merit. So uh, I'm not really one for for knee-jerk wholesale squad changes need to happen as uh, tends to be the case on social media. I'm not sure that United need to buy another 12 players, as Robbie Savage says. But if you were were analysing it purely on merit this season, then you probably would say that, wouldn't you? Because there's been some absolutely horrendous season-long performances 
and and the Sunderland game was a precy for a total failure of a campaign. Yeah, I mean, next week will be the last rank cast of the season, and I suppose we'll do end of season awards, and I'm sure there'll be a great deal more debate about who gets the worst player of the season type awards than than who gets the best, um, because there are lots of people that have had really bad seasons, and many of them had really bad games against Sunderland. The one thing that really did slightly worry me from the Ryan Giggs perspective about that game was I think he made one of the worst substitutions I've ever seen in my life because you mentioned that Juan Mata didn't have a great game but he had a really great 10 minute period and United were thoroughly on top uh, after Yanazai came on but when he took Mata off and brought Van Persie and Welbeck on taking Mata off meant it was completely redundant to put the other players on because there was then no creativity on the pitch apart from Yanazai. Well, yeah, and and that was Moisesque that substitution, wasn't it? And it was uh, it was particularly disappointing. So, I mean, you're right to say that Mata was was coming into the game and he looked like one of United's brighter players. I mean, that's relative. I think I don't think it was a great performance by him, but um, yeah, Yanazai came off and Nani uh, that was thoroughly deserved, of course. But then uh, uh, pulling Mata off for Welbeck and, and Van Persie came on for Young, was it? If I remember correctly, and yeah, the other way uh, around. But yeah, so you know those those three substitutions. I mean, basically changing out the the three supporting players um, behind Hernandez, uh, and and it didn't quite make sense, did it? Um, to pull off the man who uh, who might have produced the the key pass, absolutely, and and also Moisesk with the tactics, it was very get the ball out wide and who fit in, son. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think I mean, actually I haven't looked at the data here, but I would suspect United haven't been quite as direct under Giggs, but they have been playing two wide players every game, you know, or three games. That one interview I ever saw with him talking about his coaching was, I'd have a few wingers in there that, that comes to mind, <laughs> and may, maybe you'd expect that, you know. I think, look, I think. I think what this does distill as well is the is the idea that Giggs still needs to learn his craft as a coach. You know, he's worked under Ferguson for twenty five years, but that's one perspective. And I think having a, a more enriched view of coaching will benefit him loads. And I think he can do that at the club or away. I'm sure he'll learn loads from Van Hal when he comes in, and and some new coaches that are bound to come in too. And I think, yeah, maybe I'm just being optimistic here. I think that will be a nice blend. I think that's the link with the past. I think it's the link with the players. I think Giggs is is too determined and too focused as a man from everything I've heard of him and know of him to let his link with the players cloud his judgment. But we'll see on that one. So I think it will be a nice balance. It'll all be tested in time, but I also think it'll be good for Giggs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the It was interesting moving on to the whole game. Because there was a lot of discussion in the week, well, in the few days in between the two games, uh, lots of stuff about, oh, Giggs might go, you know, because maybe Van Hal doesn't want him in the backroom staff and all that kind of stuff. And is is there really some very serious negotiation going on with Van Hal, sort of forcing Giggs on him in a way? I'm sure it'll all end up being actually, it could well be the perfect blend, um, although it there is the counter view that says actually Giggs is too influential, but I don't think that'll turn out to be the case. And what I'm with you on the optimism stakes here, I, I think there's plenty of cause to be optimistic about that combination. But while there was all that sort of talk about will he, won't he, is he going to stay, will he leave? It was like a horrible sinking feeling of like, oh my goodness, the last couple of years have just been really brutal with people leaving Man United. And on a very basic human level, don't want gigs to go you know i want him as you said last week really eloquently there's real genuine value in that link with the history of the club and it it should be kept on i agree it totally i think 
Um, I think this is a positive move for Manchester United. After a really difficult year, and there will be significant rebuilding in the summer, uh, because, you know, frankly, even if you believe that some of these players can perform a lot better, uh, they haven't earned it. And I think the new man really needs to make that change around. Otherwise, there's the uh, risk of this season repeating itself, no matter how good the new coach is. Players now having a new sense of bloodlust for managers and player power. So I think there will be significant change. I think that's a good thing for United. I think it will cause plenty of disruption and I don't think United are going to make changes from a position of strength either. But if they get this coaching set up right, they get the blend right, it it looks like Clover will join uh, with a new goalkeeping coach and a couple of fitness coaches from Van Gaal's camp. Danny Blint, it seems, is staying on in the Dutch Nationals setup, but still as the assistant to Gus Hiddink. But I think we'll almost certainly carry on working both with the under-18s and Warren Joyce at reserve level. Skulls may well join him for the under-18 campaign and the uh, the UEFA under-18 or under-19 campaign. Giggs, it seems, will be given a senior coaching role, whether that's an assistant or a senior role of some kind. And Phil Neverwell, he may still put out the cones or he may leave elsewhere. But it feels like the right blend of you know, external expertise, uh, a manager who knows the scenes, been around all the big clubs. As we said last week, United will play good football. He has a very clear idea about what his philosophy is. It's actually a philosophy that's much closer to the way United's under-18 and under-21 teams play. Not exactly the tactical formation, but keep the ball, move, pass. Lots of players with technique over, you know, over simply in a rigid formation, getting it wide and knocking it in or or any other kind of negative philosophy. So, you know, it feels like if this all comes off as we think it is, it's a, it's a step forward, a big step forward for United. Absolutely. And the whole game represented something of a step forward for Giggs's brief time at United. Once that team sheet was announced, there was, of course, great excitement because, you know, there's a lot of mythology around United and the idea of the United way, but it's real for the fans. You know, we as a group of fans genuinely want to see our young players coming through the ranks. Maybe that's the same at other clubs, but it's certainly incredibly important to the collective of United fans. And seeing that team sheet was just so exciting. And the fact that young James Wilson scored under 18, under 19, under 21 and senior level for Manchester United this season, uh, to get a brace on your debut, even though Hull were not any great shakes, it's still a pretty spectacular achievement for the young man, isn't it? Oh, very much. And, and United were, were pretty dominant in that game. I mean, it was a, a whole side they'd mixed up the formation and the selection, thinking uh, about the FA Cup game to come. I mean, of course, United had done the same too, but it just felt like it gave United a bit of a impetus and a confidence injection. And, and, and you know, I, we talked about Wilson earlier this season. I do really like him. I think he's got a future at United. I mean, it's not guaranteed by any means, of course not but he's got plenty in his locker to worry Premier League defences. Maybe he's not mature enough yet. Maybe a loan spell would really do him good. I guess they'll work that one out over the summer, especially if, if United go and recruit some senior players. But he's he's got he's got lows. I mean, he can play in multiple different positions. He has, certainly has done this season. He's kind of had to, given how much change there's been at under-21 level in particular. Lightning, lightning quick, and he can really finish. So got the whole package, and it was a, a really great debut for him. A couple of goals, a couple of strikers' goals, really. 
he can be proud of that and uh, I, I think he'll play a lot of games for United it's, it's a guess but I think he will yeah I think you might be right in the first five minutes of that game Yanazai got the ball and absolutely leathered it running at, at Hull and he was uh, eventually given man of the match by the retweet thing which considering Wilson got two goals was pretty impressive and entirely deserved Adnan Yanazai put on a kind of a masterclass and I was thinking about it was brilliant well he got the ball he was very very direct wasn't he he got the ball ran at people he played very very high up the pitch I mean nominally off the right but very very high he was almost alongside Wilson for much of the game and uh, I thought excellent performance for me and very good as well because you know we haven't seen much of him in the second half of the season no and that's kind of what Liverpool did with Raheem Sterling last season and we've seen the fruits that are coming to bear from that right he's had an excellent season this time round I don't think you should be talking about fruits when it comes to Raheem Sterling. Fruits of his loins are spread all over Merseyside. Uh, Could have done without the second half of that, really, Ed. I think we all knew what you meant. Just wanted you Um, to have a mental picture there, Paul. Thanks, thanks a lot. Talking of Van Gaal coming in, Giggs playing 4-3-3 in the second half with Lawrence on the left, Yanazai on the right, Wilson in the middle, and then uh, a midfield three of Kagawa, Carrick and Fellaini. Yeah, Fellaini was very close to um, Wilson quite a lot, wasn't he? I mean, he's basically playing at number 10. He was. That was the, the nightmare scenario that we thought David Moyes would play but uh, Moyes he never played him there basically and, no, just... and there you go Giggs comes in and the first time he's, he's played the fella he's, uh, he's played him up top I mean I guess it's because he's realised of whatever Marouane Fellaini is central midfielder is not it <laughs> you know not a good game from poor old fellas but anyway I'd be very tempted to sell him in the summer wouldn't you yeah I would I, I don't see where he fits in a squad uh, with Van Hull I mean you know he does like a an evil bastard in the middle of the park but we found out that Fellaini is not that he's evil but in a really snidey cowardly way yeah I'd, I'd tell him I'd take the loss uh, I mean there, there will be someone who will you know, pay about half of what United paid for him and I'd just get rid uh, it's uh, it's it's too late he's not going to come good uh, United are not going to get a return on their investment with Fellaini I don't think there's any manager they bring in that is likely to use him in the way that is going to get the best out of him. United don't play like that. It was a horrendous purchase. And I hope United have learned a lot from that. I mean, they've made bad mistakes in the past, of course. And it'll always happen because they don't always come right. This one was an obviously bad mistake, which is uh, unusual. I don't think there are too many players in the last 20 years that have been bought and we've gone, oh dear, maybe Bebe. But not too many. But even Bebe, like it wasn't oh dear until we'd all seen him. Well, quite. I think yeah. everyone's first assumption is, oh, I wonder if he's going to... Especially it came on the back of the Hernandez transfer. So there was a sense of optimism about that, which there was was from some people about Fellaini, but not from us, I guess. Well, maybe the, the mentally ill and those hallucinating. Yeah. Lawrence, a fine debut, actually. I was going to make a point about Yanazai, which was that when he got the ball really early and ran at players, I was thinking, how great must that be for Lawrence and Wilson in terms of like okay lads you know how we used to play together in the youth team this is what we do in the senior team it's the same you just play football and you know seeing their mate basically who was at their level a year ago doing it on the big stage it must have I would have thought given them a real sense of comfort to see him go at them like that yeah you know what off the top of my head I can't uh, I can't remember how many times Wilson might have played with Yanazai probably not that many actually since uh, Wilson was really with the under-18s and the academy um, last season. But, no, I take your point. Very, very good. And and the the thing about Tom Lawrence is, um, I mean, it's deserved because he's had a decent campaign. 
at reserve level, under 21 level. I'm not convinced that he's going to make it at United. I have to say, I d- I'm not sure there's that little extra that you need. But we'll see. I think he'll have a decent career. If I was a betting man, I'd say it'd probably be down a division. But we'll see. You know, players do surprise, don't they? Yeah, they do, absolutely. And and lots of people saying... I, I as always, like be very clear, I don't follow the E-teams closely. I just sort of read up on the people that do follow them closely and lots of people saying Lawrence has really improved since his loan spell at Yeovil um, and that that's made a really big difference to him so good luck to that I, uh, you know the odds are of course always that they're not going to make it right it's a much safer bet to and when I say make it I mean make it at United it's a much safer bet to say they're not going to make it at United because a tiny percentage of them do but it's, it's uh, Wilson and Yanazai well Yanazai absolutely I don't know anyone still doubting that kid I mean I think he's going absolutely all the way, unless some horrible thug ruins his life. Another disgusting stamp on Yanazai. And the FA uh, today, ruling out, today being Wednesday, as we record this, ruling out any retrospective action against David Mailer, the man who, it turns out, Alan Pardew did not headbutt hard enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Pardew clearly knew something. So I, I haven't actually read up on the uh, the latest uh, FA uh, statement on that one. I mean, I saw the, I saw the stamp, and uh, of course there was retrospective action uh, against the Fulham player earlier this season for stamping on Yanazai too. So, uh, is this the FA saying they can't take action against the player who's booked? Was he booked for it? I think not, but I could be wrong. I, I wouldn't. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that's why they said they weren't taking retrospective action. But right now, I seem to remember Mela getting a card, but I actually can't remember at what point he got it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. That that's the one way that Yanazai's uh, future could be uh, put into some doubt if he gets a serious injury, you know, or even a, quite a lot of minor injuries. The players do tend to get very physical with him because he, he goes past people so easily. You know, he's got that wonderful balance. I mean, Ronaldo got the, the same treatment, didn't he? And, and his reaction to that was to man up big time. He got in the gym and he pushed weights until no one could bully him anymore because he was stronger than the rest of them. And, and I think that'll do Yanazai some good as well, just to bulk up just a little bit. Not too much because that balance is beautiful, but... I'm sure they can find the right training programme for him. I think he's going to have a really big season next season. I think Van Gaal will be a good coach for him. Uh, he's the he's reputation of uh, going easier on the youth players than the senior players. He's very, very, very demanding, but especially of his senior players. And he does bring in a lot of youth players. And of course, our side of 95 was made up of, you know, like 11, 12-year-olds, wasn't it? So may- maybe not quite, but um, it was certainly a Michael Jackson wet dream. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, so he's got that kind of reputation. I think I think he'll be good. It's just like unnecessarily disgusting. <laughs> what my pronunciation is. Van Hal. Clearly. It's just so exciting that Van Hal's coming in, but I guess we'll, we'll talk about that more next week because uh, we'll presumably know for absolutely sure by then. Yeah, that, so the, the whole game, uh, I think that basically covers everything I can think of that I wanted to talk to about it, apart from the sheer incredible emotion at the end. I mean, you know, this season has ended on a, on a really uh, strangely amazing high 
given what a terrible season it's been just because like we've had the, the gigs thing and that's been super fun especially when he there was a moment during that Sunderland game where it's like oh no is this just going to be Moyes all over again but no like the the whole thing was brilliant the young players the Wilson getting a brace and then you know Giggs's speech was really classy and he mentioned Vidic and of course the crowd burst into song and Giggs just let I don't know like four four eight bars of the Vidic song just go before jumping in again it was really moving and artfully handled now's your time to stand by your manager no no wait there that wasn't that wasn't Giggsy was it no he said he, he promised to bring the good times back and then then they all wandered around the pitch. Nemanja gave a, a very moving speech. I want to thank you from bottom of heart. It was like really lovely. And then the crowd all singing to him. He's standing right in front of them. Robin Van Persie's there joining in the song. Very, very good impression of Stavros, the old Harry Enfield character there. <laughs> Hi, everybody, peeps. <laughs> or, or Dr. Nick. Not quite sure which one it is. But, but very good, yeah. This is outrageous. Seeing Vidic, the reality that Vidic is leaving, I don't know, it was it it made me reflect on his career at United and he really has achieved remarkable things at United, hasn't he? Eight and a half years of mostly outstanding performances. Quite a few injuries in there, uh, I have to say. I doubt the value of him playing every week, especially in the last month, but uh, most of the second half of the season, I think it was a mistake to allow him to... Probably a mistake to allow him to go, although he's he's coming to the end of his time at the, the very highest level. But definitely a mistake to allow him to publicise a transfer halfway through the season. So it doesn't leave too much of a sour taste in my mouth, though. I think he's been outstanding for United, a real leader. He puts in, you know, the kind of performances fans love, doesn't he? Blood and Thunder. But he's also been a very, very classy player. Formed with Ferdinand, I think, the best central defensive partnership in Europe for a couple of seasons, just sort of around the 2007, 2008, 2009 time frame. Those three years, outstanding. Been a great purchase for United. Didn't cost very much, said, what, seven million? And uh, and he's uh, he's been outstanding. It's going to be very difficult to replace him. Yeah, absolutely. And worth a mention that it, was, it wasn't just Ferdinand Vidic, was it? It was Ferdinand Vidic and Van der Sar. And it felt like between the three of them, we were just impenetrable. You know, it was it was a real a heck of a combination. And yeah, like Vidic, obviously that kind of warrior footballer, he's in that mould and, and it's a justified reputation because I don't think I've ever seen him afraid of anything physically. You know, he's an incredibly physical defender, but in a world where that doesn't mean what it used to mean, it doesn't mean hurting the opposition. It means... I don't know, it almost means hurting yourself more than the opposition. Mm. Well, Van Persie said he's not afraid to put his head where other players are afraid to put their boot, and that's uh, that's about right. They always used to say that about Brian Robson, didn't they? Yeah, but Brian Robson was made of glass, so it was rather unfortunate with him. So, uh, But as we now know, it was the drink that caused that as well. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, talking of made of glass and Brian Robson... A uh, young Phil Jones going off with some sort of arm slash shoulder injury. Yeah, really unfortunate. And uh, let's hope uh, it's not as serious as it looked. And uh, he had a slightly odd game, didn't he? Because uh, he, was, he started in central defence, but basically played in midfield all the time. 
Um, I'm not sure that was a tactical decision, but uh, he was bombing forward quite a bit. But um, yeah, really, really unfortunate. I mean, so we're going to get on to, we're going to do Twitter questions in just a minute. Um, but let's let's do a, a preview. At Dave Little 81 says, after Phil Jones's moment of stupidity last night, does he lack the intelligence to reach the very top? And at Prack Rules says, a train travels from A to B at 130 miles per hour. If 12 people on board weigh 80 kilograms each, why did Phil Jones dive into that tackle? And you said it was unfortunate, but the problem with Phil Jones is that it's not about unfortunateness. He's making really bad physical decisions a lot. These are a lot of injuries that are caused by him being not afraid enough to put his head where other people wouldn't put their feet. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair comment, I think. And it's... um. What is it? It's it's uh, it's him being a bit naive. It's him not being very experienced. It's him not quite reading the game and his body. Uh, it's uh, him having to learn the trade a bit quicker than he is. I mean, players do seem to do it at different rates. I mean, we we always used to talk about Ferdinand when he was very young and when he was at West Ham and then Leeds United about there being a mistake there because the concentration went over the years. That stopped, didn't it? And uh, there were so many games where he was completely mistake-free. But it took him a while to learn to become the central defender that he was. Phil Jones got all the tools to be really, really, really good. And, uh, you know, I, I guess he needs to make less impetuous tackles. He needs to not get himself injured. On the actual playing side of things, uh, he needs to learn how to read the game because he doesn't do that bit very well. But he's going to get a chance to do it next season. Unless United do spend a lot of money on a couple of senior central defenders, he's going to play a lot of games next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see if they do. Um, so after the heightened emotion of the Old Trafford crowd and all that, Robin Van Persie looked as happy as I've seen him since he was holding the Community Shield earlier this season. Absolutely grinning from ear to ear when interviewed last night and said oh, we're going to be back next season and you can save this and it was just like he knows he knows Louis van Gaal's coming he knows better than anyone else at the club what that means and he is absolutely convinced that we're going to be competing right back at the top level and and you can see why can't you well he's going to be fit all season he's going to score 30 goals so uh, and any team that's got a striker that scores 30 goals will be here uh, around the top weren't they so his moisitis has miraculously cured itself and uh, quite remarkable how he uh, he came back from Holland injury free wasn't it the week that uh, Moyes left and uh, great team get a goal I'm sure he'll start at Southampton now and uh, end the season on a high hopefully he'll have a very good World Cup get a nice break come back to United raring to go again absolutely so Twitter questions having cruelly abandoned our audience last week carved out a chunk of the show to do these before we do a brief preview of the Southampton game so at Carrick is God uh, it's not really a question this just said just want to reiterate how much of an emotional wreck I am after last night signed Wilson to long term deal on Football Manager (laughs) Very understandable, good decision, young man. At Tad Davis, thirty-one, talking of long-term deals, says, "Can we give David de Gea a ten-year contract extension?" Uh, I suppose, in theory, uh, that won't happen. I'm sure they're going to give him a contract extension. Of course, keep him out the clutches of those evil Spaniards at Real Madrid and Barcelona, and anyone else who might want to have him. I tell you, I'm now I'm really worried that Atletico Madrid will have him because <laughs> if they're going to like win the Champions League and the league and stuff. We've got someone else to worry about. Ah, yes, but you'd have to take a large pay cut, so it's uh, unlikely to happen, I'd say. So uh, I'm sure they'll get that deal sorted at some point. 
Real still haven't quite worked out what they're doing with the goalkeeper, have they? Change it depending on cup games or league games. And and Barcelona look like they're buying Andre Ter Stegen from Borussia Mönchengladbach, which I said a lot better than I actually said his name. Uh, and uh, he's very, very good young goalkeeper as well. And uh, that, that ought to mean that De Gea is staying at United. Yeah, we really hope so. And I'm sure that, you know, as long as we're competing at the top of the game, Tahir will stay around. I'm, I'm confident of that. You know, he's obviously not unhappy at United by any stretch of the imagination, is he? You know, so it'll just be he's way too good if we don't compete at the very top. You know. Yeah. Well, n- not to not to uh, preface our player of the season award, which will come next week. You mean but he's United's player yeah, of the season, yeah. isn't he? I was going to say you mean the David De Gea award. <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, at Connor J Donnelly says, do you believe in retiring numbers? Would it be fitting to retire number 11 for gigs or better for someone else to step in? And I absolutely, I, I kind of, I'm fine with other clubs retiring their numbers, but there is no way United should retire numbers it comes down to that united well you wouldn't have any numbers left <laughs> well that's how many legends we've got well the thing is it it is that legacy of legends thing it is that united philosophy it's the busby babes the fergie fledglings one group comes after another group comes after another group and and players go into legend and they get a statue made out of them but the legacy remains on the pitch there should always be a brilliant number 11 at manchester united you know well that's right i mean the the, uh, the fergie fledglings definitely russell beardsmore I'd have retired his number. Uh, somebody at Johnny Gabriel, a brilliant Twitter person, um, said during the whole game, an ex-captain is managing the opposition side. Uh, there's a bunch of kids. A kid has scored a couple of goals. This just needs Clayton Blackmore to give it the full testimonial. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> While doing the lap of honour at Old Trafford, it looked as if Rooney had to keep telling cleverly to clap, uh, says at Chuckety Chuck. I think he's going. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know whether he's going to go. It wouldn't surprise me. I think uh, he's gone backwards as a player. Van Hal, I think, is a student of the game. I think he'll know a lot about Manchester United's players. And I, I'm not sure he fits into a Van Hal system. So when I think about a Van Hal system, in my mind, I think about a defensive player, a box-to-box and a creative. Uh, and I don't know which of those cleverly is. And that's, of course, part of the problem. So I don't know that he's going. I don't know what that has to do with him clapping, per se, other than if he's being a miserable git, but, you know, he should uh, think about his sponsors, really, and give it some. But uh, we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me at all. He's uh, he's probably a saleable asset. United get a good fee for him and can reinvest it elsewhere. I wouldn't be too upset if he went. If he doesn't, he's squad filler, and that's about it. At Bjorn Olsen uh, asks, should and could Michael Carrick leave this summer also? Well... I do think United need to bring in two absolutely top-class central midfielders and maybe that will get uh, the best out of Carrick. It's, I think there's a risk in United shedding all the experience. I mean, if Ferdinand's going and Vidic is going, Evra may or may not go. Fletcher, we're not sure about the, his uh, long-term future. Giggs will probably retire and become a coach. Uh, so there's a loss of experience about to leave the United squad Michael Carrick's the only sort of experienced central midfielder who might justify getting himself in the team. Uh, So I do think United need to bring a lot of quality. That'll provide a lot of competition for Carrick. Maybe Carrick will drop out the side as a result. I'm not sure that flogging him would be top of my agenda. No, mine neither. Um, At 6Sammy9 asks, normal fries or curly fries? Cheese fries. 
Uh, I go the full American on this oh, okay. one. Cheese fries are the bit. Chili cheese fries <laughs> are the business. Uh, this is what being married to an American does to you, isn't it, Ed? You've got funny ideas about fries. Chips, lad. Chips all the way. Uh, no, I, I I, think I'd go curly fries, given the choice between the two. At Bocce says, what is your predicted 11 for next season if we play in a Louis van Gaal 4-3-3 with a maximum of four new players in the lineup?" Oh, well, this is one of those questions where you need to warn us beforehand so we can do a bit of research. <laughs> so let's go De Gea, Raphael, Jones, new central defender, Mats Hummels. Yeah. <laughs> or Benatia at Roma. I think Hummels is probably more realistic. That's how expensive Benatia would be. New left back. I've mentioned a few I like before. Shaw would be a very good purchase. Very, very, very expensive. Rodriguez at Wolfsburg I like a lot. Kazara at Monaco I like a lot. Felipe, I do like him. He's, he's very high quality, but also would be extremely expensive and he's a bit old. So uh, Shaw would be my bet there. I think two new central midfielders. Uh, one being uh, a right evil bastard, one being a box-to-boxer. So maybe a Vidal and a Pogba. <laughs> we, we can only, he said we we're allowed to get four new players. He didn't say it was realistic. OK. Oh, no, but he said realistic starting 11, I think. Uh, predicted okay, well, predicted ne- starting 11, it is. Not dream neither starting of those, 11. Neither of those two in that case. Um, I'm not sure who United will bring in in central midfield. That's a really difficult one because uh, the top quality is going to be very expensive. I I think this is the biggest question for the summer. And again, we'll talk about this in detail next week. But there are no easy answers. There are no obvious available central midfielders. All the central midfielders we're linked with are a long shot. In fact, to be honest, at the moment, it feels like almost all the players we're linked with are a long shot, apart from Luke Shaw. Everyone else feels like they're currently in potentially a better situation than they would be if they came to United. So this is a huge issue. But yeah, so let's say we could get Tony Crows. Maybe you go like Crows, Carrick, Mata, maybe. It's a bit lightweight though, isn't it? It is a bit lightweight. Uh, I I mean, Crews doesn't fit those any of those natural uh pigeonholes that I just mentioned there he's he's uh, he's played a lot of games in a deeper position for Bayern Munich but he's kind of the player you give the ball to and and it just shows in the amount of touches he has per game he has well over 100 touches per game he's right up near the top of the most passes made in in the Champions League this season he might even be at the top of it and um, so I think he'd be a very good purchase because he's a very high quality player it's there are some definite frustrations I think United would have with him. He slows the game down all the time. He's he's not a player who moves it quickly. Uh, he is very deliberate in his passing, but he's very progressive in it as well. So it would be a good player. I I, I wonder whether he's quite the right one. Yeah, this is a, a good question. And then so the, the four three three up up the three up top. I guess you go Van Persie, Welbeck, and Yanazai. That's my my dream three up top. Yeah, that's pretty good. Van Persie, Yanazai, and uh, maybe uh, Royce at Dortmund, who's been outstanding this season from that position. I mean, he drifts inside a lot, but uh, he can definitely start left and come inside. He's much more comfortable at doing that than, uh, say, uh, Shinji Kagawa. Good point, good point. Uh, and Shinji, there, there's a role for him somewhere in that four-three-three in in the first three, you know, uh, somewhere in there. Yes, I, I think uh, I think United should keep him. I, I think him and Mata can compete, and I don't see any reason why uh, Shinji wouldn't get a lot of games there. I think uh, he's, you know, Mata's got uh, more in his locker, of course, but he needs to show it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Benny Hudson says, is it just me that thinks that Bebe might actually have been had more to offer this team than Fellaini? That's virtual friend of the rank cast at Benny Hudson. Well, yeah, um, maybe. So I don't think we saw much of him in the United chair, let's be honest. And, and uh, what we did see of him was often really, really woeful. I mean, uh, he looked like a man who had no idea how to actually play the game, even though he might have some raw skills. And those raw skills have definitely come out this season because he scored a bunch of absolutely blinding goals. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Fellaini, so it's not like a, it's not like if we'd only been allowed to have 24 players this season, and Fellaini was the man who got the chop, that we'd have lost loads. No, there's like three games where he was pretty good uh, against small. Premier League clubs. Um, well, bottom half of the table Premier clubs, should I say. Uh, at the Magical One says, will there be space for the likes of Zaha, Wilson, Lawrence, Powell and Lingard in the first team next season? I think this is a very good question and so much of it depends on who comes in in the summer. Out of that list, jumping out, I, I would say there's room for Wilson in the squad, especially if Hernandez leaves as the fourth centre forward. I think there's potentially room for Jesse Lingard in a positional sense because he can definitely play coming off the wing in a 4-3-3. That, that's, that would not be a problem for Lingard. No, I think it'd probably be his best position. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, will Will Van Hal think enough of him to give him that uh, role? I mean, it really depends on where United invest, doesn't it? So uh, Zaha, the same, same there, really. I mean, he hasn't shown anything at Car- Cardiff that says the penny has dropped with him yet. And uh, speaking to some Cardiff fans, they all moaned that he doesn't uh, pass the ball quick enough, which was the moan that I had last summer um, when he signed. Um, So, you know, he just needs to learn how to play the game better because he's got all the raw skills. Because he's photographed outside Selhurst Park after uh, Crystal Palace held Liverpool spectacularly. (laughs) And Suarez (laughs) cried a lot. And Gerard might have cried too, although he was trying to hide it. So we uh, we had a little discussion about this. And as regular listeners will know, I, I don't really relate to football in the same tribal way that many do. And, and I certainly never defined my support of United in opposition to United's traditional enemies. But I don't really like Liverpool very much at the moment since that Suarez everything and the way the club behaved. I mean, I sort of prefer them now under Rodgers because... There's something comical about Rogers, the the whole Stephen go get the guitar after they lose, you know, uh, the David Brent factor. But that was the absolute distilled essence of Schadenfreude, wasn't it, Ed? Oh, it was magic! It was absolutely magic. I was uh, there was there was joy bursting out, and, and I don't care how small time, time that sounds. I defy a Manchester United fan to not enjoy Suarez bawling his eyes out after Liverpool completely capitulated to Crystal Palace. It was fantastic. I mean, I'm still currently, it's quarter past nine on Wednesday night. City have just scored against Aston Villa. So we're we're sort of slightly more confident that, that he, uh, there's not going to be some massive City-itis. I mean, you know, I have to say for me, I suppose this is partly influenced by being an out-of-town red. But also it's just growing up with completely surrounded by Liverpool fans my whole life. Liverpool, I'm way, way, way rather City won the league than Liverpool because also you can write off City winning the league as some sort of, you know, financially altered 
freak. But if Liverpool won it actually properly on merit, that would be really unsettling. Yeah, 2-0 to City as we speak. Uh, so uh, I think the title is going to Eastlands. And look, I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, I think we, we just write off City because they've just cheated, basically. As uh, UEFA have stipulated uh, by failing them under the financial fair play uh, rules and uh, I know City fans don't like it and uh, I know this is really tribal and uh, as much of football is of course and, and the analysis of financial fair play does get very tribal but um, I have to say I agree with most of the rules uh, I know there are consequences of those rules You know, principally the most negative bit locking in the established status quo making it much harder for clubs to grow inorganically but City are basically just cheating. It's like a computer game. and uh, So you can write off their win. Um, of course, Blues will enjoy it. I work with a Blue and uh, he'll enjoy it, no doubt. But, um, you know, you would have to begrudgingly respect Liverpool winning this because they've, they've come from seventh. They've played very good football. They've scored a load of goals. They have a manager who, yes, he's David Brent, but he has a very clear philosophy and he's, he's uh, shown that he can execute on it. And that was a big doubt about him. Uh, he's getting uh, more than the sum of the parts out of that squad, albeit uh, a squad that hasn't had to play European football. I think they, you know, he said he's going to have to add five or six players. I think that's about right. This is this was Liverpool's big shot. It might take them a while to have another shot at it, but you know, you'd have to begrudgingly respect it. And no one, no one wants that in Manchester. So yeah, City it is. I mean, I'm kind of, I was kind of hoping they'd all lose the games and Chelsea would win it because, you know. The lesser of three very bad evils. That's like that's got its real problems though, isn't it? Because you, then you got to watch John Terry lift the the thing. I don't think I find any of the City players particularly odious. I have to say, whereas uh, Chelsea and Liverpool have certainly got their share of odious players. The Steven Gerrard slip thing, man. I mean, of course this has been done to death because it happened a few days ago, and it's the internet, so we've been bombarded with memes and videos and vines and the whole works, but. To be there shouting, this does not bleeping slip, and then oh, just just <laughs> slip over. It's like, and then they're three 0 up against Crystal Palace, and they go draw three all. It's like it is like David Moyes left, the curse was broken, and Alex Ferguson got to be in charge of the FA again or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Illuminati of. I've started working their magic again. They took a little break there for a while. But, you know what? Ferguson used to talk about Devon Locke, you know, the, the, yes. the in the Grand National in the 1960s who fell over at the last hurdle when there were no other horses in the race, that kind of thing. He used to talk about that all the time. And it's just a shame that he's retired when Devon Locke has happened in the Premier League. And, uh, I mean, it's not quite as spectacular as Newcastle's blow up in... In, uh, what was it, 95, 96? But it's not far off it, and uh, it's it's quite a joy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really... It's really quite something because it really looked like they had it. But anyway, let's let's move on from talking about Liverpool because we might be a bit small time, but we're not that small time. At Tom underscore McGee says, your left arm is either replaced with Ryan Giggs or he has to leave the club. What do you do? I, I'm not sure I follow this. I have to replace my left arm with the whole of Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs. Yeah, exactly. The, the exactly. what's stuck to my shoulder it left arm the whole time so you you have i guess you have in you have control over ryan giggs's limbs but he definitely has independent thought and can talk to you i think that would get really tiring it would but he'd be a good wingman wouldn't he <laughs> like literally a wingman if he was your arm 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, but imagine trying to get comfortable at night if Ryan Giggs was one of your arms. It's a bit bit strange, this conversation. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. I, I would take him leaving the club. But I'm sorry, everyone. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't own that sacrifice. Talking of things that don't make any sense, United's last game of the season is completely meaningless. We have, I think, next to no chance of Europa League qualification, which is maybe another reason why Giggs played Young and Nanny in that game after Tottenham had uh, messed it up and we could still finish sixth and that would really be unfortunate wouldn't it well yeah um it basically would be I mean if if you want United to get back into the top four and even challenge for the title next season I think not being in the Europa League is a very good thing I mean it has a lot of positives actually United get away with a slightly smaller squad next year more chances for some younger players but also can then spend the money in the right areas on very high quality players and spend it on a few really expensive players rather than spreading it around a bit. That's a good thing. The flip side of this is that, uh, well, two things. It's good for the club to be in the Europa League, the exposure and the money and the revenue uh, uplift as a result. It's basically worth a world-class player. And if we're not in the Europa League, we'll probably end up doing a bit of Harlem globetrotting and uh, playing friendlies in far-off lands in the middle of the season. And uh, remember how that turned out this year. They might not have played a game in Dubai, but they did a lot of drinking and partying. Uh, maybe Van Gaal won't stand for it, but I'm not sure United flying off to the Middle East to play a couple of mid-season friendlies is a good idea either. Yeah, it was brilliant in the pre-Sunderland game press conference when people were asking Giggs what his experience of being manager was like, and he was saying, trying to work out what they're going to do if they get into Europa League and they've got the pre-season tour and people are just coming back from the World Cup. And it did look like these are plates that are impossible to juggle. But as you say, there's this enormous match day revenue that's lost if they don't do the Europa League. I know that the hardcore travelling away in Europe Reds would rather we were in the Europa League so they can go around and have that experience in new places you know I'm sure the trip to Amsterdam was a bit of a highlight of last season for many people yeah well let's not forget there are some very high quality teams in that league yeah I mean teams that drop out of the Champions League but also some very very high quality teams that just qualified for the Europa League I mean look at the uh, look at the semi-finals Benfica versus Juventus was as good as many Uh, Champions League games this season very high quality very exciting stuff the Benfica Sevilla final will be a very high quality game you know there's some really good teams there no guarantee United would win it by any stretch no I think it's pretty unlikely they would win it because I think there'd be heavy rotation as there should be because it wouldn't be a priority would it and I I think I think the key to all this is if we want to win the league next season or just be be back and in effect in a big way next season not being in the Europa League is going to be a huge part of that so with all that in mind no idea whatsoever what's going to happen in that Southampton game don't know if they'll be trying because they've had a heck of a season and you'd think they'd want to end it on a high and they've got some players going to the World Cup maybe they won't be uh, too keen on the old 50-50s and all that sort of thing well I think it'll play out like a dead rubber last game of the season game you know there might be some sunshine and uh and it will be played at a slightly slower pace and the intensity will go and 
and uh, they'll play out a one-all draw. All right, sounds good. So I guess if that's your prediction for that, what on earth is your prediction for Ryan Giggs's last uh, managerial eleven? I think it will be in goal, Giggs, uh, right back, Giggs, central defence, Giggs and Giggs, Giggs at left back, Giggs in the three in midfield and Giggs in the three up front and uh, he'll score the only goal there was definitely a moment where he brought himself on where you could think he was he was running on going Giggs he won Fergie nil you could never do this could you lad Giggs he won Fergie nil because no, uh, I'm sure Sir Alex would have wanted to bring himself on up front a few times in his early years at Manchester United oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he would have Giggs he had a good crack at that free oh, kick as well it was you know? brutal wasn't that brutal when the keeper saved that uh, shame, shame. I think he probably won't keep up that record of scoring in every Premier League season. Might well be his last game for the club as a player, that is. He's got to put himself on the bench, hasn't he? I mean, he might He's not. Got to. He might not because he did it at Old Trafford. But I, I really want him to. I really hope he does. And I hope he does. Like, we do get that last minute penalty and the... Uh... Oh, it was a heck of a free kick as well. I was, and the goalkeeper like apologised afterwards for saving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what's your prediction for oh, the Giggs game? Giggs hasn't got a draw yet, has he? I'm going to go for a two-all draw. There you go. Two-all. Very good. Yeah. I look, no reason why it shouldn't be a good game. I mean, no, nothing really to play for for either side. But uh, you know, the, everyone will be watching the top and the bottom of the league. Uh, although I think the top is less certain than the bottom, or maybe not anymore, I don't know. Um, certainly, certainly some stuff to play for still. Yeah, not much though. It's like it's There's been a few last days of the season with an awful lot more riding on it than this. As long as, as, long as City don't massively muck it up and uh, as long as Sunderland don't massively muck it up, I think, I think it's going to be pretty quiet. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Anyway, before we go, we have a, uh, we have a competition this week. That's good. We do, we do. And I, I thought we should, we should do this competition this week because next week we have to give the prize out and uh, otherwise you'll be waiting all summer for it. Friend of the Rankcast, uh, Tatiana MUFC on Twitter. Uh, she does those pencil drawings. You may well have seen them. Has offered to do a personalised pencil drawing of your choice. So one lucky winner. Oh, that is that is absolutely awesome. And I'm going to chuck in a second place prize uh, for this one. And it's going to be a copy of the programme from the five-all draw uh, between West Bromwich Albion and uh, Manchester United at the end of the last season, which was, of course, Fergie's last game. It's got a big section about all about Fergie's last game in it. So Very nice. Very nice. Well, so we need a prize question. So why don't you tell us who the picture should be of? And in what moment? And uh, the the funniest one wins, judged by Paul. All right, let's go funniest slash, like, you know, most pulling on the heartstrings. It does not necessarily got to be hilarious. It could also be, you know, really emotional and stirring to sort of fit with the tone of the end of this season. Fair enough. And uh, Suarez bawling his eyes out doesn't count. It's got to be a United player, I'm afraid. (laughs) So this time next week, no doubt we'll be back to announce the very, very exciting news that Louis van Gaal is going to be Manchester United's next manager. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to get hold of Ed, you can get him at United Rant on Twitter. I'm at UTD Rantcast and you can get us both on Facebook.com slash United Rant. You can read all the stuff that Ed writes at UnitedRant.co.uk and uh, read my stuff over over at the Bleacher Report and if you want to help out with the bandwidth costs and all that sort of stuff for the show you can hit us up at unitedrun.co.uk slash donate and it's worth saying at this point uh, we're going to do a show next week big end of season spectacular 
and then we're going to have a few weeks off and then we're going to do I think four shows across the course of the World Cup we've worked out all the dates it's going to be every Friday during the World Cup then we're going to have a little bit time off and come back maybe on a new day next week we might be uh, we might be moving to a Sunday record Monday release but all that is still to be totally decided the next season part but the the World Cup podcasts are definitely happening so uh, we hope you'll join us for them we certainly will looking forward to it Uh, we've got one final game of what has been a disastrous season let's make sure it's a good one hey and and we'll see you next week